This is Samuel from Animal. This is Adrian Cowan from Seven Spires. This is Mike from Devil Driver. Hi, this is Mark from Dragon Force. This is Nora from Battle Beast, and you're listening to the Great Metal Debate Podcast. Hey podcast listeners, welcome back to the show for another Metal Artist interview. Today I'm joined by Jake from Aether Realm. I was hoping to record this interview with you in person last month in Nashville when you all were slated to come through on tour yeah. with Power Thrasher's Paladin. Yeah. Man, I was so disappointed when that tour was canceled. Me too, man. I was all like, there was a while where I thought where we were still going to like fly under the radar like before people knew it was it was as bad as it was because uh, you know at first it was like all right well no more than 500 people in a gathering at a time and i was like that's easy man we don't get 500 people at our shows no problem and then it started that number started going down farther and farther and i was just, you know we finally were like oh shit that's us uh, Dude, the venue you guys were slated to play in in Nashville, you can't get 50 people in that place. Yeah, like, dude, I, I heard. Uh, the thing is, the um, I don't know whether we're going to end up playing when we finally get back out, uh, whether it'll be all the same venues or whether it's going to get shuffled around a little bit, probably the latter. Uh, but I definitely had someone telling me about that particular one that was like, oh, yeah, man, that place is uh, it's very small, a very sort of pay-your-dues type venue. I was like, great, great. Man, it is perfect. Like, you're tied in there, man. I mean, you're like, I'd you're rather, like face to face with the fans. It's awesome. I would rather, I would rather play a small venue and have it packed than like a big one and it's like half full. So generally that's, I'm always all, all right with the, with the smaller venue style. I was actually super excited to see you all with Paladin because I think there's some similarities, but some contrast. I mean, do you think there's a chance you guys might be able to work it out to go out with them again in the future. Yeah, yeah, we're still, um, we're still in got in the works where we're trying to just reschedule the same tour as kind of as is. Um, and we've we've we're really lucky. We've got a, a guy named Aaron Gray, who is our uh, new booking agent. He's their first ever booking agent. Um, it was I was doing all the stuff before that, uh, and he's been fantastic about trying to help us figure out when exactly we're going to be able to get back out on the road and trying to keep it as, as close to our original plan as possible, just pushed back. So we got a lot of help on that end, uh, which we're grateful for. And hopefully we'll be able to just do the tour, uh, same run, same, same places, uh, just, you know, a little later than planned. So ideally, yes, we will be able to to smash it, smash it out with Paladin. Uh, you know, we're we've got multiple sets of dates lined up um, to try and we're trying to be as uh, what's the word? We're trying to be diligent about uh, getting back as soon as we can, as soon as it's safe to do so. You know, for people that are coming out to the shows and all that. Um, so it's possible it's going to be late this year, but we it's possible it's going to be next year. We really don't know. 
so we've got a couple options lined up, and we're going to see what works. I wanted to ask you about that. I know as a fan, I listen to music all day long, but there's no substitute for the experience of the live show. I just wonder as a musician, what's it like been not only not being able to perform live, but not really knowing when the next opportunity is going to be? Uh, it sucks big time. Um, there are this particular situation has its positives and negatives because for us, we we kind of exist as a band in sort of a permanent state of like frantic getting prepared for the next thing that's coming up. Um, we have like a pretty we always have a pretty uh, rigorous schedule of okay we're going to smash out this album it's going to be by this date and then immediately at the same time that's coming out we're going to be on tour we got to do a music video we got to go out and film that on this one little weekend where we don't have anything scheduled. Uh, and so we kind of cram all this stuff in. And what that means for the show is that we, with the original plan, we were pretty limited in what we could present live um, from a, like from the new album, but also from old albums because we have to have time to, to practice it and get tight. So when everything's happening, bam, 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 like right back to back, uh, it can be difficult to to build sort of the perfect live set exactly how you want to because you have to take into account, okay, well we have time constraints, so really we can we have the ability to to bring in you know three new songs into the set list and and get them tight enough so that we feel good about playing them live. Whereas now we sort of have. It's sort of like the world is our oysters. We've had this sort of forced uh, period of, of not not having that rigorous schedule like we like we usually do. Um, so trying to look at the bright side of things. Hopefully that for us means when we finally get back on the road, we'll we'll have refined our set list and and gotten it tighter. So you know, there's kind of this curse of of when you're uh, a band and you work. Uh, and you haven't like made it, so it's not really your job. You will go out on tour, and like the first three shows is kind of like, oh well, we got through it. And then by the the rest of this tour, you're like really nailing it. So hopefully this one it, we won't have that. We'll have just we'll just be nailing it from the start. We'll see. I know you guys in the past have had the opportunity to tour with some killer bands like Glory Hammer and Ailstorm who have honed their craft. How, how did those experiences shape you guys as a band as far as your approach to playing live and song selection, etc.? I think um, two things, actually. So so the first thing is when we toured with Ailstorm for the first time in 2016, uh, we were a really tired band. We were like exhausted. We had been sort of doing it all on our own. Uh, up until then, we we had managed to to pull off this crowdfunding uh, to do the Tarot album, and of course that obviously we had a whole lot of help from the fans. But one thing that I think every person that's sort of new to crowdfunding an album probably does. I certainly was no exception. Is you you definitely always underestimate the amount of work and the and the real cost of what the thing you're making is. So while we made raised a whole bunch of money, it, it was it was still like we wound up dipping into our own pockets 
which is what we would have done. You know, it's what we did on, on our first album anyway. It's not like that's such a huge burden or anything. It's just like you do it several times in a row and it's, and, and you feel like, man, I wonder if like, like by album three, are we going to be like playing big shows or like by album four? I don't know. This is, is kind of an uncertain feeling. Um, is it one of those things where however much you think it costs, double that? Yeah. Yeah. I would say that's probably the safe way to do it. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of, there were a lot of nights like just sort of surrounded by, by like packages and trying to figure out what's going to who and, uh, a very overwhelming experience there. We got a lot of it out, but we ended up getting some outside help to come in and help us out with, in the form of, uh, our old, the old, the owner of our old record label, which was Laura Greenwood, uh, and, and the record label was Primitive Ways. She helped us sort of dig ourselves out of that. But the point was that we, we, we've spent a long time being a, a local band. Uh, like a great deal of our career has been, you know, we sold tickets to open for Ailstorm on Pagan Fest 2012. Uh, and, you know, didn't make shit for money or anything, but we had a great time then. Um, we were tired though in 2016 when we toured with Ailstorm. We were really tired. Uh, and, and we're not sure whether we were going to, keep doing it and so we we got this opportunity to tour with ailstorm sort of out of the blue um chris lives in tennessee and we had a show in tennessee and he came out and we all hung out it was like kind of kind of just seemed like nonchalantly it was like hey you guys want to tour with us sometime you know and and I, my eyes kind of got big i said yeah man holy shit that's, i mean y'all are a real band doing it and uh, so that was the first tour we did where it wasn't like a DIY situation where, where we didn't just build our own spreadsheet and figure out which venues we were playing and make all the calls and all the emails ourselves. It was the first time that, that the tour was just presented to us and we got to go on it. And it was the first time we got out and started playing these shows for, you know, hundreds of people a night, which is, uh, which for us, I mean, was just crazy. Uh, we, we, we were used to 20 people a night or or 30 or on a really good night. Maybe, maybe we'd get near a hundred, you know, in our hometown or something like that. Um, And that's always counting like your friends, the other opening bands, like, (laughs) and, and so on that tour, that 2016 tour, it was sort of a a revitalization for us because we had spent so long just kind of not knowing whether it was going to be something we were able going to be able to, to really pursue to, to the degree we are now. Um, and, uh, and so we got out there and all of a sudden we're playing these, these big shows for a whole tour in a row. It's, it, it's not, it wasn't like a one-off where we opened for some bigger band. It was like, Holy crap. We're, we're we get to play these big shows like every night, all month. Um, and so we ended up writing a song on that tour. We wrote uh, we wrote the song Hunger on that tour, um, which is the first one on the new album that really got completed. Um, and it's just all about that feeling of like, you know, you've been you've been hungry for it for a long time, but you you're just tired and exhausted, and all of a sudden you get a little taste of what you could be doing if you if you don't give it up. And it's like, oh shit, okay, I'm hungry again. Let's fucking, let's fucking go. 
uh, and so I, I credit L Storm and, and all the guys in there and Chris. Uh, I mean, I think Elliot was the first member of L Storm to listen to us, and and he uh, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, he he didn't do the sort of classic big big band thing and like turn his nose up at the small band. You know, he was like about it from a, from an early on time. Uh, and then Chris kind of got on and, and we've become friends and I, I credit him a lot with us, you know, sticking with it because I think if he hadn't extended that invitation to, you know, some little small dogs playing a dive bar, uh, in, in Tennessee, we, we might've said, okay, well, fuck it. Let's, let's just, I'm gonna go to fucking pharmacy school and <laughs> be a pharmacist or something. <laughs> Well, man, let's dive right into talking about the new album released just last week titled Redneck Vikings from Hell. You kind of alluded to this earlier, but how long has the material on this album been in the works? Uh, seriously in the works, it hadn't been all that long. Um, I mean, it's, it's been long. It's been since at least 20, I mean, obviously, at least since 2016 was when we wrote Hunger. Um, but you kind of have stages when you're putting an album together. You have the sort of preliminary stages, where, which is sort of where you're idle at as a musician uh, and as a writer. You, you're idling at this, okay, I've got, got a cool idea. I'm going to start putting that down. And you like pull up a logic file or a guitar profile, pro tools, whatever your, your weapon of choice is and, and plink out some ideas. Okay, cool. That's tight. That sounds pretty cool. That might turn into something. You save it, close it out. And you do that every so often. Uh, but you're not really like writing towards a particular goal. And so that's probably where we were at for a while. I mean, tarot came out. So uh, tarot came out in 20, uh, did Tara come out in 2017, Donnie? Do it's 2017. I'm looking at Metal Archives. Oh, good. Thank you. <laughs> so obviously we've been working on this material since before Tara, if we wrote Hunger in 2016. But I would say that we were in sort of idling mode with with this album up until maybe, probably until 2018. That was when we we really started setting dates for ourselves because that's the sort of next phase as you say okay we've got a lot of these little bits and pieces here maybe we've got a song done maybe we've got like uh an idea for the full album at this point and so once you've got all that and you're ready to take that next step you, you go into phase two where you set a deadline that you want to you want to reach and you set some like parameters for yourself of how you're going to be working on it um and this is where this is sort of the stage where you start to uh, you you maybe not like necessarily tossing material at this point, but you're starting to figure out what you're really going to use and focus on. And you're starting that's where you start to like every day you come home from work you say okay, well uh, I'm going to take a crack at this song. I'm going to take a crack at this song, and the, and the album starts to sort of come together. And maybe you haven't booked your studio time yet at this point, but but you're starting to look at options for when you're going to really get into that. And then uh, I guess 
2019 was when we we sort of entered that final. Well, I guess I wouldn't call it the final stage because I really think the last week of of mixing is sort of the final stage. But 2019, we booked our studio time, and that's sort of when it's like, okay, there's not really any going back at this point. We have to we have to get it to this deadline in particular. Um, and I think that that's important as a band to set yourself these deadlines to to work towards. Uh, because you can always do more. Like you can always add additional layers of of sounds. You can always uh, refine it a little bit more. Like you you can refine it for years and years and years. And and you know, at, you, all of a sudden you realize it's been ten years and you haven't put anything out. Uh, I think it's important to to make a conscious decision to say, okay, we're going to work towards this date. And there's never been an album we've put out that. I've listened back to and been like, this is perfect. We we did it perfectly. There are no flaws on this album. There's problems on every single album that we put out, and I can hear them when I listen to the album later on. But I think the alternative is like, you just don't really put stuff out often at all. And I'm the type of person that likes to regularly, you know, putting an album out for, for me is like this big release of emotion as well as, you know, the literal release of an album because it's like, oh shit, okay, finally it's fucking done and I'm going to chill for a little bit until we start out the process again for the next one. Well, there's a lot of emotion on this album and a lot of stylistic things that I really enjoy. I love hearing that bluegrass influence on the title track. Oh man, yeah. It reminds me of so many Eastern European metal bands that I love, bands with Cyrillic lettering in their names that integrate the native folk influences into their music. Do you feel like you're taking kind of a risk musically in doing that? Because not a lot of American bands will, will take that route. Uh, I mean, yeah, uh, and, and it's, you read the comments on stuff, like, sometimes people hear that shit and immediately are just like, oh, this is just a joke, like, that, I figured it out, it's a joke, and it's like, no, it's not a joke, man, like, we're writing music and we think it's good, like, I mean, it's, it's fun, it's definitely fun, and can definitely be funny, like, lyrically it can be funny, but musically, none of us, none of us ever a joke, it's all... It's all about you know writing music that that makes you feel something good. Uh, but I definitely we definitely knew that there were going to be naysayers. You know, anytime you do something that's like weird territory and anything that's not really hasn't really been touched a lot is is going to be considered weird territory. There are going to be people that are just like, well, this is useless. This is pointless music here. Uh, or, you know, this is just for the meme value or whatever. But uh, I'll, I can say with 100% honestly that uh, I'm really I'm really glad, I'm really hyped and glad that we were able to do a piece of music that unabashedly represents us as, as where we're from, which is North Carolina. Uh, and, and I think most people don't think of North Carolina and think like, oh, epic mountains and, you know, these vast plains. And it's, it's this, you know, epic land of adventure. Like people think rednecks uh, and trailers and stuff, um, especially people that aren't from here. You know, people that are from 
the farther away you are, the more you might just kind of lean on the stereotype of what you think this place is like. And so I thought that it would be cool uh, on the concept end to, to mash together this sort of perception that everyone has of, of what they think North Carolina and its people and its landscapes and all that, what they think that's all like, and smash it up with the stuff that we've done uh, you know, our whole career as a band, which is trying our best to write this epic, adventurous music um, and sort of mashing up. And, and we even, we've gotten help in doing that from like Ben Turk, our orchestrator. He did a fantastic do- job with the orchestrations on Renet Vikings, the song. I mean, the whole album too, but specifically that song was really reliant on his work. Uh, he was really channeling these sort of American composers, Aaron Copeland would be like the big one. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And, yep. uh, you know, and then of course me and Donnie, uh, got in there and, and started channeling like Donnie introduced me to this artist named CW McCall, which is, uh, he's got a song called convoy and it's got that sort of talky, uh, vocal that we, that we utilize in the verses a little bit. He writes music for truck drivers is what Donnie has just told me. Um, and you know, other, other artists, a lot of other artists have done that too. Like it's sort of, uh, Johnny, Johnny Cash has a song called a boy named Sue. Uh, and he sort of goes through that whole song doing this, doing this very like talking narrative, uh, verse style. Uh, and we just, I don't know. It just got stuck in our heads that, that maybe that would be fun to try. I mean, obviously we we're our, my natural accent is lends itself a little bit to that style. Um, and I think I probably played it up a little bit on the recording as well, but you know, <laughs> that's, that's what you got to do. Um, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we've done something that, I mean, it's, it's we're not a big enough band that, that I would say anything like, oh, we're going to change the perception of, like, the American South. I don't think we're going to do that. But maybe for some individuals, we will do that. Uh, maybe for, like, a small group of people that wind up liking our music, we may uh, we may cast a fresh light on, you know, uh, the, the folk music and the people of the American South, particularly North Carolina. Well, I I love it. I love that cultural influence that you include. Uh, now, you all have released several videos already from the album for Slave to the Rift, Goodbye, and TMHC. Three very different songs. Can you give us some insight into how you selected those as the songs for videos? Yeah, we were fighting about it a whole bunch. Uh, it was, it was <laughs> we, There was a lot of arguing about it. Um, we knew goodbye was going to be one for a while because goodbye was the first song that we got demoed out and then got recorded with Kyle O'Dell. Uh, and, and it was the song that got assigned. We had been talking to Napalm before Terra was out a little bit, but our, our, our timelines didn't line up. Um, they wanted to release it later on, but we felt like, oh, well, we've had fans that have already paid for it. It doesn't really make sense. Or it doesn't really feel right for us to arbitrarily push it back when people have already sort of 
gotten it from us, you know, so, so it didn't work then, but we didn't end on bad terms or anything. It was just like, well, look, this isn't going to work right now, but don't lose our number. We'll, we'll, we're going to be back with more. Um, and so goodbye was the song that was, that was first, that was our first like foray back into, into Napalm's, uh, DMs, I guess. It was like, Hey man, uh, <laughs> we got this new one. Check it out. I mean, I, I think it was really like that short of an email. We say, Hey, remember us? Here's some new shit. Let us know if you're interested. And like pretty quick, they were like, yeah, all right. Yeah, let's, let's go. Let's fucking do it. Uh, and so that was the song that we, that we signed the deal on. And so in, and that early on, we kind of knew like, uh, we have this sort of aesthetic vision for how we want this video to look. We want to create this kind of synth wave, uh, 80s vibe uh gerard the the director called it this retro retro noir was what he was going for um and we had that plan for a long time so we always knew that one uh the second one that came out was slave to the riff and that one was a was a pretty contentious uh spot for a single because we were talking about doing lean into the wind as one of the singles but uh that I, that one that was one of the the options uh we talked about doing hunger for one of the singles um mm, the, label, that. the label was desperate for us to do redneck vikings from hell as a single they really? wanted they wanted it so bad because like you know because they were like yes yeah, i mean this is the craziest shit this is going to be such a meme people are going to share this everywhere and we had it all lined up we had the video shoot booked and everything and that was going to be the last video that came out uh, and then we, we were, we were going to fly out of LA to do it with Drod again, who did Dubai. We, we sort of trust him and trust his team. Uh, and, uh, so we, we got that as far as like booking the location and then kind of right after that, cause we had the story all planned out. And then right after that, we got shut down by, by all the coronavirus. Wow. Um, and so that's when we, we started coming up with backup plans for like what the last single was going to be. Uh, and, and we, we tried leaning into the wind again at one point, And then we had tighter restrictions that prevented our drummer from coming up to, from where he lives in Raleigh, North Carolina, about five hours away to Asheville, which is where we live. So, uh, that one got squashed too. And we were all like, I oh, mean, I don't know what we're going to do. And my bud, Nick, who did the animated videos, for Slave to the Rift and for Guardian, um, he was the one that had the idea of like, hey, what are you doing, man? You've got all these fans like that are that are really dedicated to the music. Let's just let's just get them to help us out and just and and get everybody to film themselves having a good time. And uh, and so Nick kind of saved our, our butts with that idea there, um, which is when we we kind of got everybody that. We, we did it all in private. We didn't want to, like, do a public call for it because we felt like it was going to get out of hand. So we uh, we got some help from our bud, uh, from our buds DJ and Julie. They run our, like, fan club on, on Facebook. They uh, reached out to a bunch of uh, friends and a bunch of fans individually and got everybody to submit this footage of them rocking out to this song, and we all put it together. So Team AC became a song of necessity a single of necessity because, uh, you know, we, we, and, and I'm 
I'm really glad with how it came out because I've I've loved that song the whole time. You know, I've, I'm a, a big fan of that sort of Bodomesque, uh, Bodom worship style of music. <laughs> um, and uh, how cool was it to have fans who contributed to the artistry there, man? Oh, to man, me, that's that's awesome. awesome. I mean, we, we every every night as like right after we we put the call out, there was about a ten day period while we were getting stuff back in, and every night we would call. Like I'd get home from work and I'd crank up the computer. And we would all gather around and watch the footage from that day, like from that got submitted that day. And it was always just like a ton of, of amazing shit where we were just like rolling because of, of how funny the shit that people sent in was. Or, you know, sometimes like uh, there'd be a, some footage and we'd be like, oh, my God, this actually looks awesome. Like this, these guys look cooler than us. Like uh, there was um, James and uh, Aaliyah Gregor out in um, Chicago submitted some footage. And at one point, I think she's shredding on like a shovel where while James has got like a leaf blower off screen and he's like blowing her <laughs> hair. And I'm like, oh, holy shit, they, they're, going as, they're going harder than we do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was, it was fantastic. To, and it was really, uh, it was really emboldening. Like, like, holy shit, people are actually – are actually doing this. They're actually sending the footage and, and, and agreeing to help us out. And I wasn't sure whether whether it was going to be like that or whether it was going to be like five days in with, with no submissions. They're just like, oh, shit, we, we're fucked, guys. Uh, and, and our fans came through. Jake, I noticed from the TMHC video, you were sporting gear from our friends here in Kentucky and Cryptic Him. Oh, hell yeah. Um, yeah I love Cryptic Him. Yeah. Have you found, as you've had opportunities to travel around the country, that there are a lot of innovative, independent bands like Cryptic Hymn that, that you then, you see and then become fans of yourselves? Yeah. Oh, all the time, man. I mean, uh, you know, you book, especially on the DIY tours, the way you, you make so many friends because uh, you you're going around and you're really relying on each individual local community to help you make the show happen. Um, and so, I mean, we've been touring since, since 2012 and, uh, every time up until, up until very recently, uh, it's been a matter of, we, we make a spreadsheet with everywhere we want to play. And then we make a list of contacts in that area and sometimes it's people we already know. Sometimes it's like you go on Facebook or MySpace, even back in the way back in the day, or you go on like Reverb Nation and search by location. That was a tool we utilized a lot. And we would start you start finding these bands that, uh, you know, you're like, okay, well these guys might help us. These guys might help us set up a show. Um, and you end up sending a lot of cold emails and getting a lot of non-responses. Uh, but inevitably, you get some some golden-hearted people out there that'll be like, "Yeah, man, I'll I'll help your band set up a show. We we got a spot that we play. We'll, uh, you know, we can headline. Y'all can y'all can play the middle slot because that's always when it's a DIY tour. You always want to play. <laughs> you want to play the middle spot, like that's because because yeah. the local the local band, like when you're when you're DIYing, the local band is like the band with the draw. You know, they their friends are all there and everything. 
And if you play, if you try and big dog it and play last, everybody's gone when you play. So, yeah, uh, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of very in, encrypting him. Uh, back in the day, they had a band, same some of the same dudes, Dave, um, and I want to say Polensky. Yeah, well, I know Dave Polensky, and then I want to say John. There was a guy named John. I don't know if he's still encrypting him, but he was in a band called Voyage of Slaves. That was Dave's old band. But uh, but that kind of turned into cryptic him and with with uh, I want to say two of the same guys, maybe Josh Mumford uh, was also yeah. in both bands. Yes. Um, Dave was one of those those many golden hearted dudes that set us up with a show and we went out and played it and and you know got drunk together and, and had a good old time. <laughs> we slept on his floor and all that. Um. And uh, and he's a monster on guitar. So so one of those things that happens is like you, you'll do a show with one of these bands, and you get there and you're like not knowing really what to expect. And oftentimes you just get blown away by the the sheer technical prowess of these dudes that before this tour you'd never heard of in your life. Uh, and then usually what that turns into is every time you do a tour from then on out, it's like you hit up the guy. You'd be like, Hey, Dave. Uh, we're trying to come back out. You think we can we can make it work? Yeah, man, let's do it. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, a lot of bands like that where you uh, you you go into it not knowing what to expect, and then you go see them play, and it's just mind boggling. And you just have no choice but to but to you know buy their merch and shit afterwards. So cool that there's there's just a network of uh, of metal bands and fans out there. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I'm someone who's a huge fan of metal from Europe, places like Finland, the Netherlands, oh, Russia. Me too, man. Me too. Yeah, you guys are obviously fans of that, and you can hear some of those styles in your music, albeit you've added your own Southern U.S. flair. I wonder, do you have a sense of why Melodeath, Viking Pagan, those genres aren't more popular here in the States. I, it frustrates the fuck out of me that they aren't more recognized than they are. I don't know. I really, I really don't know. I mean, there's a lot of cultural differences between sort of, uh, between Americans and, and Europeans. There's a lot of cultural differences within the United States. I mean, obviously North Carolina and New York city are, are, two very different places. Even the biggest city in North Carolina is a very different place from New York city or from LA or from Iowa. I mean, it's, or, or Kentucky, you know, it's, it's the U S is a big ass fucking place. Uh, true. With a lot of different little pockets of, of, uh, of cultures all scattered all over the place. Um, and so the best way I can think of it is the same way that, you know, different animals evolve different ways uh, in different parts of the world. That's that's gonna you're just gonna have the same situation with music. And so now we live in the internet age where where the styles uh, can be heard anywhere at all um, and can be an influence on bands anywhere at all. Uh, but culturally, maybe people just aren't as they're not seeking it out because they're not used to it. You know, like um, a kid that's grown up with, with Slipknot and, uh, and you know, maybe Corn and, and Limp Bizkit. Let's just, let's just throw those three in the pot. If you've grown up with those bands, and, and I did grow up with those bands to a degree, um, 
you might not necessarily even know to to try and seek out Insufirum, a band that's that's also doing metal, also lives under the big umbrella term of metal, and does a lot of stuff that's you know that really speaks to me on a personal level as someone that really loves. They're gods. They're gods. Yeah, Jake. yeah. They they you know if you've grown up with with just pure action movies your whole life, where it's been like, oh man, yeah, Fast and Furious is like the fucking series for me. You may not know that out there you might you might later on in your life find Lord of the Rings, a very, very different type of movie, but still a very entertaining one. Uh so I think it's I think it's just a natural evolution has of of music genres has led to the US having that more um I guess the US is is, is built more around heavy music it's got a lot of you know the the metalcore and the and the deathcore got really big for a while here um i think there's been sort of a resurgence of american black metal lately um and uh you know obviously there's always been the hardcore scene and the and the punk scene going strong out here um and I just think it's, it, I couldn't tell you all of the, the initial states that led to that happen any more than I could tell you why kangaroos are only in Australia. Uh, but that's just kind of what has happened. Uh, and I think it makes for an interesting global situation, having this sort of very, very disparate tastes amongst different, you know, geographical locations. But it can also be a difficult one to deal with, especially when you're a band in the U.S. and you're trying to trying to break through with something, and it's like music that no one's really ever uh, sought out before. They don't necessarily know what to think about it. Um, but I do think that there's also advantages with that as well, because you're liable to, to to blow some minds. At we've spent a lot of time coming up playing shows, and and even still do with bands that that are also metal, but don't necessarily sound anything like this. Um, you know, that don't really pursue the epic and, and grandiose route. They, they maybe try different, uh, different approaches to writing. And so sometimes at those shows, there are some kids in the audience or, or, you know, adults in the audience that when you play the type of music you play, it speaks to them on a, you know, on a deep level. And they've just never heard anything like it before. And, and that's when you, you make these new, like, real, true fans that you're their introduction to a whole new world of, of music. Uh, so there's there's advantages and disadvantages, of course, to, to that being the case. But I couldn't tell you why it's the case. Well, I'll just say this. If you guys turn at least one American fan onto the Gothenburg style You've done the Lord's work. I hope we have, man. I really hope that I, – I hope we get to the point one day uh, – and, you know, it's possible that it's already happened for one person. But uh, I hope we get to the point – I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely been the case that we've been a lot of people's first metal show. Like a lot of people have come up to us, uh, usually a little bit younger, and been like, I've never – this is my first ever metal show. This was crazy. This was awesome. And there's, there's a really good feeling that stems from that. Uh, but you know, I, I hope there's that we have the case where someone hears lean into the wind and they've never been exposed to that sort of style of, of music before. And then later on they find like blinded by fear by at the gates. Uh, 
I, I haven't heard any news of this actually happening anywhere yet, but it would be really cool if, <laughs> if it did. Oh, it'd be a wonderful story, man. Yeah, it feel like well, a, it feel like a cycle coming full circle, you know, like because that's <laughs> that that's a lot of the the styles that got me to the point where I wanted to to work on music like that. Wrapping up with you, Jake, what is the best way for fans to purchase music and merchandise from Aether Realm, including the new album, Redneck Vikings from Hell? Well, uh, you can always go to napalmrecords.com uh, or napalmrecordsamerica.com if you want a physical copy. That's that's a good spot to get them. We're going to put up, we, we had a bunch of copies that we had ready for tour uh, that the label sent to us, and since we aren't touring in the immediate future, we've uh, this is kind of on the DL right now, but I guess it's going to be up as, as soon as anything, so I don't have a problem saying it. We've signed them all, and we're going to put them up for, for sale in our online store, which can be found at uh, holymountainprinting.com. Uh, and they've got all of our American merch as well, which is uh, – Napalm has like an album cover T-shirt that you can get if you're looking for that. But uh, if you're looking for other merch, we, we're always working with a bunch of different artists, and you can uh, you can find all that on HolyMountainPrinted.com. As far as listening to the album digitally or uh, anything like that, anywhere you want to consume it is fine by me. It's on Spotify, it's on YouTube, it's on Apple Music, Bandcamp. You know, I, I would say anywhere that you can get music, you're going to be able to find it. And I think a lot of people come to us sometimes saying, like, what benefits you the most? It all it all is, is fine, man. I'm just glad people are listening. So, you know, wherever you want to listen to it. Well, I want to encourage fans to give this band a listen. Stylistically, this is what American metal should sound like. So check them out. Give them a listen. Watch for them getting out on tour either later this year or possibly next year. Jake, thank you so much for taking the time. I so appreciate it. Thank you, Robert. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us on.